0: Welcome to the Oakland Heights Baptist Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message from our Sunday service.
1: Tonight, wasn't it? Amen. Praise God. Amen. I love the music. Years ago when I was on deputation, I would travel around. Every once in a while, I'd get to go to a camp meeting. You ever been to one of those old-fashioned camp meetings? Run the aisle, you know, wave the hanky. You know, pep rally for Jesus. Man, I, I tell you, I, I took. I remember taking another missionary with me, Henry LaPara, and we went to Lebanon, Ohio, you know, where they have the, hey, there you go, fellowship track league, you know, remember that, that that place there where all the tracks are? And every year they'd have a, like a, you know, just a bad attitude Baptist blowout. You know what I mean? Just, just preachers coming in and, and man choirs coming in and and we got there, we, I'd never been there, you know, before, my first time, and Henry and I kind of sat on the back row, and, you know, they had the, you know, that 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 program from the radio, Unshackled, you know, from Chicago, that that, that inner city ministry, well, they had an all-male black choir, there was about 20 of them up there, you know, in the front, and they all had white shirts and ties on them, you know, and they're singing the glory, and the preacher would be preaching, one of them would get up and go, that's right, preacher, you just keep preaching, you know, and getting all excited about the Lord and stuff like that. And then one of them, one of them said, well, well who were you before you got saved? He said, man, I was a crackhead, I was this, I was that. Jesus saved my soul. I got something to sing about. I got something to be excited about. Man, it was just a pep rally, and, you know, Brother Henry and I were sitting there, and we didn't have any hankies to wave, you know. I mean, it was hankies going everywhere. So we saw a box of Kleenex. We just reached out and grabbed the Kleenex. Man, we were, we were waving them and just having a great time. And I, I, I hope that you can do that. I mean, you can go watch the Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Roll Tide and the Atlanta Braves and the Atlanta Falcons and whoever your favorite team is and shout and praise and, wow, give glory. Man, he's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our voice. He is just worthy of anything and everything, and to God be the glory. You know, we have a little saying in Zambia, in the Lomba language, you know, Baleza uh, Bachindique, which means, let me give you the interpretation so you'll be edified. To God be the glory. So I pray that God gets the glory tonight. Praise he's got the glory in the singing. I pray he got the glory in the offering. To get the Word of God out to the Albanian people. I I, I pray that God would get the glory through this message as I sat down this afternoon after I took a little nap. (laughs) You know, well, I don't know if I should say this from the pulpit or not, you know. My wife and I were in South Africa years ago, and I was preaching down in, uh, in Johannesburg, and so after the Sunday morning preaching, we were kind of tired, and we went to this South African's house, and, and so the man and the wife, Becky and I, were sitting there kind of dozing off, you know, Sunday afternoon, we're tired, you know, and so uh, the guy looked at me and says, oh, Brother Bonner, Mrs. Bonner, uh, I, I think it's time for a doo-doo. I looked at my wife. She looked at me and said, well, I mean, how do you feel? I said, well, I, you know, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. You know, so the guy saw our expression. And he said, well, oh, oh brother, Warner, brother, brother. In, in South Africa, we don't say nap. Because a nap is a female hygiene project. Okay? So we say doo-doo. Okay? We take a doo-doo. So I had about an hour of doo-doo today. I just want you to know that. <laughs> And some of you did probably, too, okay? But anyway, (laughs) hallelujah. (laughs) If you have a Bible, open it anywhere. It's all good, okay? But turn to John chapter 4, and keep your finger there, and then turn to Genesis 22. So John chapter number 4, and then Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to read some verses, and then make our prayer, and then... Get into what the Lord laid on my heart this afternoon after I got up and wrote some things down. I want to share with you today from my heart, okay, just from the heart of a missionary, from the heart of somebody that God got a hold of many years ago, and I've never got over what God did for me. I just never got, and I'm so thankful He never got over me, you know, that He pursues me. And when I kind of step out, He kind of flaps me back in place. I'm so thankful for Hebrews 12. Fact that he chastises his children and if you've ever been whipped by the Lord you know what I mean if you ain't ever been whipped by the Lord you may not even be his child because he chastises those that he loves and so we need to understand that so here in John chapter 4 Jesus we know a little bit of the story he's at the well right he's with the woman at the well and I want to jump down to verse number 20. So they're having a conversation. The disciples have gone off to get food and supplies and stuff, and he's sitting at the well. He's talking to this woman. And so they're in a discussion about water, about the living water. And Jesus says to this woman, you know, I got, well, I got some water. that If you'll taste of it, you'll never thirst again. And this woman's confused, you know, because she's looking at something physical. And she said, hey, that well's deep. How are you going to get that water out of there? said, I mean, you don't understand. He said, I've got some water. You'll never thirst again. Let me tell you something. When Jesus found me and Jesus saved my soul, I didn't have to look anywhere else. I found the source of life. I found life, life everlasting and abundant. But it says there in verse number 20, they began to talk. The woman begins to argue with Jesus. Can you imagine? I think we do that sometimes. But anyway, let's go on. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So we see that the the, the subject matter is about what? It's about worship. I'm afraid there's some confusion today in our churches about just what worship is. What it really is. And he goes, then Jesus said unto the woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. And then Jesus gets really (laughs) point blank with the woman. Look what he says, verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the, what, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. and They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Turn back to Genesis chapter number 22. Genesis chapter number 22. And look what it says there. You know, back years ago when I was going to Bible school, we were learning how to study our Bibles. Maybe you've learned this. There's certain ways, you know, you do a word study, you do character studies, but then all of a sudden you do a word study of the first mention in the Bible of what, when the word appears for the very first time in Scripture. And so you sort of follow that definition throughout Scripture unless the verse explains it specifically another way. And so here in Genesis 22, look at verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. Now notice something real quick, something extra. God spoke first, God gave revelation. God revealed the word to Abraham. And he said, Take now thine only son, son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. You ought to circle that word love because that's the first time it appears in the Bible. He says, and get thee unto the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Wow. Abraham, take your only son whom you love and go and sacrifice him to me in this mountain. You get the picture. You know the story. Keep reading it says in verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, claved the wood of the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Verse 4, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Verse 5, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, please bless your word, speak to our hearts, give us understanding. Please, oh God, may your inspiration, all scripture that you've given by inspiration of God, Lord, would you give us some understanding tonight of what it really means to worship you, to come into your presence and worship you in spirit and truth. So God, bless our time, bless your word, in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see real quickly. I'm going to give several messages, okay, in this one. But the first thing I want you to see is found here in Genesis 22. The first thing that happens is what? The revelation of God. That's the first thing, right? Now, look what happens after God gives the word. It says in verse 3, Abraham got up, saddled his ass, all right, took up the wood. He did what? He began to prepare. It was preparation that took place. In order to get to the place of worship, the first thing you've got to do is make sure you're hearing from God. And then the second thing, whatever God says, you need to prepare your heart to receive what God has for you. Have you ever driven into the church parking lot and maybe had a little bit of fight with your wife and kids, and all of a sudden they go off to their class and you come in with a smile, even though you just wasn't ready to come in to worship, and all of a sudden it takes you about three or four songs or, you know, halfway through the preaching or all of a sudden you're still thinking about the argument and finally maybe at the end of the service you get right with God. What would happen if before we came in here tonight we were prepared? There was nothing between. Me and the Savior. Nothing between us. And come in here prepared. See, when God speaks, we need to make ourselves, we need to prepare ourselves for worship. The next thing I see there is separation. He told those two guys, he said, you guys stay here. I'm gonna, we're going to separate a little bit. You know what? Well, whatever the world, whatever you brought in here tonight, your boss, your problems, you got to get rid of them. Your focus has to be on him in him alone. You know, you don't run from him, you run to him. And so again, that focus, that, that separation, and then notice he dedicates. After that separation, he dedicates his son. He puts Isaac on the altar. And then you know what I see when you dedicate? Then what happens? Restoration takes place. You know, all through the South, we have what these call these revival meetings, right? We're having revival this week. Evangelists come. We're having revival. A missions conference should be a revival meeting. It should be a time of restoration. It should be a time of worship where we hear from God and we prepare our hearts and we're willing to separate ourselves and lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice and say, Lord, I'm here. What would thou have me to do? And now I'm ready to go and I'm revived. And I love how we don't have time to go into it tonight, but after the uh, restoration comes confirmation. What happens after Abraham, you know, the angel stops his hand isaac is taken off in the ram there you know god prepared a brim and they sacrificed that ram and all of a sudden god began to speak to abraham again to give him confirmation through your son through your seed oh i mean man don't you like confirmation from god don't you like it when you you know when you believe god's made a decision and all of a sudden the word of god bears witness with what you're doing and God gives you some confirmation that this is the right thing to do because God is pleased with it. That's, again, another message. Praise the Lord. See, worship comes, listen, from a surrendered life. That's what it's all about. Real worship comes from an overflow of a surrendered, a committed walk with God. Are you surrendered? Do you know that song, I Surrender All? I throw my hands up and I say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender my life to your will. And so again, it's a committed walk with God that is expressed, by the way, through our actions of just how much we adore and worship and love our God. What did Jesus say? You gotta love me first. You gotta love me more than father, mother, wife, husband. You gotta love me first. See, much of what we see today in outward worship, uplifted hands, and by the way, I think we ought to lift up our hands. I, I think we ought to clap our hands. I got no problem with a little dance. Okay, you know. Come to Africa, i might film you and send it back. Hey, Amen. Like I did a couple guys. Anyway, that's another story, but that's kind of cool. You know, we worship God, we, uh, but we think that it's even about the tears we shed sometimes, and we think that's worship, but many times we hear the word worship, and some believe it's almost like a mystical experience, like when this woman was talking to Jesus, you know, about worshiping the mountain and this and that, and he just said, man, the Father's looking for somebody. Who worship me in spirit and in truth. You see, the Holy Spirit is what wrote this book. Hello. Spirit and truth. Thy word is truth. The spirit bearing witness with my spirit that I'm his child. That I'm walking in his word. And I'm worshiping him with everything that I have. You know. So you see, true worship needs to be a part of a Christian's life. A daily walk of worship. Some believe it happens at a specific time, like singing. Man, that's praise and that's part of worship. Yes, it is. But worship is more than a song. Worship is submitting my will to him and giving my life as a sacrifice for him and whatever he would have me to do. Finding ourselves, sometimes we find ourselves in an emotional state. And again, Matthew chapter 2. Verse 11, you can write these down. I'm going to go very quickly. But the wise men, when they came to this young child, the Bible says they brought gifts and they worshiped him. Okay? They worshiped him through what? Giving. You know, just a little while ago, when you took that offering, that was worship? Because you're giving what you, you know, something to God and God's work and doing something that is worth part of worship. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verses 15 through 18. I love this story. It's about King Jehoshaphat and the armies are coming against him and the nation of Israel and God said what? Hey, get some singers and let's sing and man they began to praise the beauty of holiness instead of shouting out a battle cry and the old song goes and the Enemy heard it all the way down to the camp. And they got scared. They started killing each other. And God brought confusion in there. And there was a great victory. And the people were just what? Praising God. And the beauty of his holiness. And so they would be going out. They would be giving themselves to the battle. Once again, worship, giving. They were walking in obedience to what God did. Said. How about Job? <laughs> Ooh, read a little bit of his life. All the things he lost. Job one twenty tells us how Job had lost all that he had in a very short period of time. And the word says that he fell upon the ground and worshipped God. Ooh. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of Of the Lord Wow what a man even in despair even in tragedy a believer can worship God even in the darkest times so what does the word worship really mean the biblical worship it involves three things number one it involves our attitude okay number two it involves our actions And number three, it involves our adoration. We adore him. One day, (laughs) when we all get to heaven, worship will be an eternal activity for every child of God. Sometimes when you get a chance, you need to read Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10 and verse 11. You see, worship happened and will happen at different times, in different sets of circumstances throughout our life, and with all kinds of people and tribes and nations, will worship God. But the word means to pay homage or bow down or adore. Uh, the Greek word uh, means to show reverence, if you're into Greek. The only Greek I know is Spiro Tectikos. He owns a bakery in Lawancha Zambia, okay, so... But so real, biblical worship involves our attitudes, how we approach God, how we worship Him, how we approach Him in humility. You see, there's some also, in spite of what worship is, our adoration, our our attitude, our actions, and how we give and how we give our lives to Him. But there's also some problems with worship. The reason why people don't worship is because they don't believe. They just don't believe. And not only that, but some believers have some unconfessed sin in their life. So they're not right with God. So how can the worship even be there if your heart's not right with him tonight? And then having the wrong attitudes. Well, You know what? I'm just not going to raise my hand. You know what? I'm just not. I don't care what the pastor I'm not going to give. You know, sometimes we got some bad attitudes, don't we? You know, We, we, we bring in the problems and everything instead of bringing in and focusing in on the person of our Savior and what he's done for us because he's done so much. You know, when Paul was at Mars Hill in the book of Acts, He found many worshiping who? The unknown God. And many fail to worship God because they don't know who he is. They don't know who God is. Right after 9-11 happened, I was in Zambia. I know exactly where I was. I was at Kapula I was teaching a class. And on that particular day, we had the Bible college students. And the U.S. Embassy called. We had a little satellite phone, called our mission station, talked to my wife. So my wife came, knocked on the door. I walked out from teaching our students, and she told me that the USA was under attack. And so I called the embassy, and they didn't really, they said, we're just watching it on CNN. We really don't know what's going on, so you need to watch CNN. And I'm thinking, well, I don't, you know, I don't have CNN. I'm in the bush, so somebody had happened just to send me $3,500. I Wired it over to the bank account, just to use it for whatever you want. Well, I found out there was a satellite system in the town of Kitwe for $3,500. So I went and bought a satellite system, hooked it up at the bush, and then the next few days I watched those stuff going on. They replayed it over and over and over again. A few days went by, and the, uh, they told us to remain a very low key, low profile. And there was a man who had walked 22 miles from town, a Muslim man named Muhammad Abdul. I can't remember his surname. But he came to the mission, and the Bible College students came. And said missionary, "There's a there's a Muslim man looking for the American missionary." And of course, after watching all that and understanding the battle, you know, I'm wondering why does he want to see me? You know. And so I went out, and we went into a classroom. I told the students to stay outside, and so I was in one of the classrooms with him. And the his eyes were piercing. His eyes were just, I thought he was going to attack. I didn't know. You, know. you know, you just don't know. And so he looked at me and he said, can you, can you help me find peace? He says, I have no peace. He said, I've been angry all my life. I've been taught to hate. He said, I don't want to hate anymore. Can you tell me how to, what you guys talk about, how to love? I don't even know how to love. And I said, I'll tell you what, I can introduce you to the Prince of Peace. And I took a Bible, and in about an hour and a half, I answered his questions and took him through. And this Muhammad guy fell on his face, crying out to God to save his soul. And When he come up off his knees and he looked at me, it was almost like he had a different countenance. You know what I mean? I mean, his eyes no longer were filled with hate. They were clear. And there was a smile. I don't know if he knew why he was smiling. but He said, wow, something has happened to me. I don't know what, but something has happened to me. You know what happened? The Prince of Peace brought that glorious peace into his soul and saved him. Boy, what a day that was. You see, he went from a man that was didn't know what he was worshiping. And he found the truth in the word of God. You see, unbelief is a great hindrance to those who desire to worship. Okay? You must truly believe in the one we desire to worship and not just go through the motions. Unconfessed sin hinders communication with God. Fellowship with God is essential to worship communication of course having the wrong attitudes (laughs) can cause a lack of real worship can cause anger and bitterness until we get right with not only God but with other people Matthew 5 tells us that now who is the person that we worship who is that person it has been said that man was made for worship that's why God made us that we could fellowship that we could worship him but who but what see our worship is right only if we worship God as he is described in the word that's why last night I preached on the word that's why the, that day that morning, Sunday morning, I preached on the cost of discipleship. It's going to cost you something to worship. You don't worship to be saved. You're saved, and because you're saved, now you can worship God. And I can worship Him in spirit and truth. And He wants that will submitted, our will submitted to Him. Whom do we worship? Man, He's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's eternal. He is a spirit. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's transcendent. He's all of those things. He's sovereign. He's unchangeable. He's righteous. He's just. He's the judge. He's the author and the finisher and the alpha and the omega. He's Jesus. The one that died on the cross was buried and rose again from the dead. God manifested in the Woo, man. The person we worship. Why should we worship God? Why? Turn to Mark chapter 12 with me. Turn to Mark chapter 12. I didn't write these verses out this afternoon. I usually write my verses out, but as I was... Just going through the Word of God today, just certain verses jumped out at me. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, verse 29, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. That is the first commandment. We are to love him. We are to reverence the Lord with every part of our lives. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. What is the procedure of worship? Okay, how do we you know, think about that just uh, you know how do we how did the Old Testament how did they worship God? well turn to revelations let's go to revelations let's look, have a little Bible study let's look at chapter number four chapter number four I mentioned that a little bit early but I want you to see this look at verse number 10 it says the four and 20 elders fall down before him that set on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art, what, worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Notice the procedure, it says they fall down. That's the right attitude we are to have, it's called humility, Humble before God, not proud before God, but humble before God. See, worship cannot take place unless you and I are willing to humble ourselves. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Five times in Scripture, Jesus tells us to humble ourselves. Peter mentions it. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, James mentions it. In James chapter 4, verse 6, how God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Listen, we must be willing to surrender our rights because we have been bought. What? We've been bought? Yeah, we've been bought. If you're saved, you were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ shed his blood for you he gave his life for you you've been bought you're no longer your own so our giving to the lord must be a cheerful giver god loves a cheerful giver not someone that's so grudgingly gives we must be willing to be controlled by the master Willing to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Willing to be controlled by the Word of God as it comes in to us. And so again, it seems like to me like today, I don't know about this church. I've seen a few people, but as I travel around, I don't see the altars full like I used to see. You ever notice that? You know, I, I don't know, but there's something about coming to an altar. Something about kneeling. There's something about falling down, like it says in Revelation 4. They fall down. Why? The humility, the humbleness before God. Why do we not see that anymore? Well, it's outdated, Brother Bonner. You know, I'm old. I, I got, I got, I've got knee replacements. I, I, you know, you know, I, I heard it takes me a while to get up. You know, I'm not quite as quick as I used to be, you know, and ooh, it says they fall down, humbling ourselves before God shows what God's greatness, it shows who he is when we bow before him, and it also shows just how small we are, see, we don't want to be small, we want to be tall. We're so full of ourselves sometimes. And notice it says that they cast their crown before the throne. What what does that mean? See, a crown could represent anything that exalts the person wearing the crown. Remember, these elders, they're wearing a crown. They're wearing it. It's exalting them. Okay? And so what did they do? They took the things that exalted themselves and laid them at the throne to worship Him. What are our crowns? <laughs> they could be our <clears throat> physique. Hey, gravity's making everything, you know, just kind of. I used to be six foot, I ain't six foot anymore, I'm, I'm shrieking, you know. So it could be our physique, it could be our job, it could be our reputation, it could be our position in life. You see, true worship involves taking off that crown that I'm wearing, that God blessed me with, but it's not about me about him. I wish I could take you all to Zambia during one of our conferences because we sing a song over there, you know, and it's, everybody sits down and then there's a song and it's in the vernacular and it talks about when we get to heaven and the judgment seat of Christ, you know, and the rewards are being given out to people. And then after the rewards are given out, Everyone will take their crowns, that gold, silver, precious stones, and they'll lay it at the feet of Jesus, and then we will dance around the throne like David did when he was dancing around because of the glory of God. That's what we're going to do. So what they'll do is they'll call out a tribe, Olambas. And the Lomba people will get up, and they'll start dancing. Everybody will sing the chorus, man, and they're going crazy. And then we'll sing it a couple times, and they'll sit down, and they'll go, the bimbas, and the bimbas get up because the Bible says every tribe, every kindred, every nation shall be around the throne of God at that time. And they're all going, and I had two or three of these Americans, you know, and I kind of looked at them and said, hey, uh, they're going to call out the Americans in a minute. And this preacher looked at me Bobby, we don't dance. And I said, brother, do you want to survive tonight? You know, because you want to ruin our ministry here? You're going to get up and move around. <laughs> well, sure enough, they call out the Americans. And, you know, America, we got no rhythm. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, know, you know, white men can't jump. White men can't dance. I'm sorry. You know. And so they're like. And then, of course, the Zambians are laughing at them, you know, and they sit out, and then we do the line, but we go around, and then they call out the Americans again. Well, this time, you know, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of going at it pretty good, you know, and my wife had a video camera. She's videoed. So I won't mention this particular institute or college, but we sent the video back to show the school what their leaders were doing, and they... I don't know if I lost my support, but they're not talking to me no more. Amen. Because I caught them dancing before the Lord. You see, worship involved some sort of sacrifice. That's what Abraham did when he went up there. See, worship is the great overflow of a surrendered life, a surrendered will into the committed walk with our Master. I'm going to walk with Him. You see, when God receives glory, honor, and power, the results are unity, peace, and harmony. He alone is worthy of praise. He alone is worthy of worship. Through prayer, through giving, through soul winning, through teaching, through discipling, through edifying, through preaching, through the offering, whatever it is, He's worth it. So let us worship today, all day, every day, and be filled with such an overflow of worship and thankfulness to our God and to our Savior. Hebrews 11 changed my life. It starts out with the Word of God. The worlds were framed by the Word. First guy mentioned is Abel. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. He worshiped God. We talked about the word last night, how important the word is to walk in it. That next step is worship. What do you love? What do I love? Am I willing to lay it on the altar? Am I willing to prepare my heart? Am I willing to dedicate my wife, my husband, my children, my life, my job, am I willing to lay it all on the altar and worship God? Father, thank you for this evening. God, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Father, worship. Whew, worship. Whew. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy might. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You and you alone are God. You and you alone are worthy of worship. Do we understand worship, giving what we love? Back to you, because, Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Father, speak to our hearts tonight. God, I pray for anyone here tonight that might not be saved. I'm sure Tuesday night, most of you come in here. I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that. But there may be somebody here that's really not sure of their salvation. Would you just give me the privilege and the honor to just pray for you? Just to pray for you. If you're not sure you're saved, if you're not sure you were to die right now, where you would spend eternity, Would you say, Brother Bobby, please pray for me. Would anybody just slip their hand up and say, please pray for me. Anybody like that in this place, thank you. God bless you for your honesty. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. Father, you've seen the hand. Father, see the heart. (laughs) Move the heart. Move the legs. God, move upon them that they could know, to really know you. Father, please give them the courage to, as in just a few minutes, to step up, step forward. Have somebody pray with them. Take a Bible. Show them what it means. to truly believe in you. Father, I pray for this person. Please, oh God, move on their hearts. Ask one more question. Church, you're saved. (laughs) Are you worshiping him? Is there anything you're holding back How many would say, Brother Bobby, pray for me. I'm holding some things back. Pray for me that I'll let them go. And thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Father, you've seen the hands. Once again, look at the hearts. Move the legs. Move us to an altar. Move us to that mountain. Move us to that place of dedication. God, move us tonight into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. If you raised your hand and you said, "I'm pray for me, I prayed for you. But if you want to know Jesus Christ, meet me down here. I have somebody from the church to take a Bible and show you. If you raise your hand and say, no, I'm holding back. Here's an altar. Don't hold back no more. He's worth it.
2: He's worth it. You come. You come right now. Amen. Come now. You want to bow down before the Lord? You want to offer your life? Romans 12 says to to present your body a living sacrifice to the Lord. If you want to do that, I invite you to come do that, to humble yourself, to bow down before him. Would you offer that which is most precious to you? Abraham offered his only son, the son that he loved, not just a son, a son he waited a 100 years for. The fulfillment of God's promise, his future, his, his heritage, he offered it back to the Lord. I don't know what God's asking you to offer to him. Maybe it's your life. Maybe there's a problem, and you talked about problems in, in your worship, a, a wrong attitude or an unconfessed sin or an unbelief. Would you just confess that to the Lord and turn it over to him? We'll just take a moment to pray. Maybe you're, you're standing there, you have somebody else you want to pray for, Maybe there's something you need to pray to the Lord and offer yourself to Him. Let's do worship before Him. Father, we come before you and we offer you worship. The things most precious to us, God, we yield them and we surrender them to you. We sacrifice them. And in that, we expect that we're going to have to give things up for you. It's a sacrifice. Father, I'm reminded how David said he wouldn't offer anything to the Lord. It didn't cost him. So God, we freely give you our bodies, our futures, our goals, our family, our finances, our health, our will. God, we surrender all of us to you in worship. You're worthy of our life. It's the reason why we were created. It's the reason why we were saved. And so we we yield ourselves and surrender ourselves to you. God, I pray that you would use us. As we dedicate our lives to you, I pray that you'd get glory from it. That you'd be pleased, that it would be a sacrifice that's well-pleasing, a sweet savor to you. God, I pray that you would get glory, not just from the act of our worship, but from the product of it, God, of us yielding our bodies to you. Use us for your own glory. Use us to advance your kingdom, to spread your gospel, to make disciples. God, we are created for you. We willingly cast whatever crowns we might have at your feet. What a worthy God you are. We give you all our praise all of our worship. Thank you for meeting with us tonight. thank you for your word. I thank you for speaking to hearts. people who acknowledge they're lost. people who are hearing from you as you point out how we need to worship you. thank you. Even as we heard tonight thank you for your chastening hand that you would love us enough to correct us to bring pain in our lives, to bring us back into fellowship with you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for for your presence with us tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Well, praise the Lord, man. Have you met with the Lord? Is your heart clear before him? Hallelujah. Listen, I'm... uh, i got a couple things planned, so let me let you have a seat. Um, I'm trying to transition in my mind. Right now, my mind is, anybody else just got like a full brain? Having a difficult time thinking here. Um, So Andrew and and Rachel Ong, have you met them already? Trusting God to get to Vietnam. God's already been using them there. Um, And so uh, we invite you to, if you haven't haven't really got to know them yet, after the service uh, tonight, they're going to be in the uh, in this area out here, in the round table fellowship area. And so we invite you to come and get to know them. Uh, but tonight we're going to invite you guys up here. We want to hear just a little bit uh, from you. And, you know, we always like to put people on the spot, ask them questions. It'll be difficult. Larry did a good job. He passed the test. You know, he had answers for everything. Um, I'm going to ask you the same questions. So it's kind of like a, a test that you already have the answers for. Like in school, that was a great thing if your teacher would you the questions ahead of time but uh so we'd just like to learn from you and here uh what, what's some lesson or something that god's been teaching you uh just in your process of preparing to go uh, to vietnam
0: so so before i answer that question may i address the, the congregation so this is our last night and and uh man i just want to say thank you so much uh to oakland Heights um church and uh man you you guys blessed us uh, so much uh beyond uh, beyond our imagination, uh, we met and spoke to several of you, and you, you really blessed our heart, uh, your hospitality, and just how you love on us, and especially my wife, you know, the, the Women's Day, I mean, you guys are just incredible, God has used you mightily uh, in, our, in the process of deputation, you guys are our first stop, and I'm just so thankful uh, that God just uh, used you guys so mightily in our life. So, uh, okay, so the the first question is what what God has been teaching us. Uh, I would say uh, for me, you know, it comes back to to the basics uh, of being desperate for God to work, Um, you know, coming back to the simplicity of desperate dependency that I can't make anything happen. Uh, there is an element of uncertainty of going to Vietnam that you just don't know what's gonna happen. There's COVID, there's visas, there is just so many variables that you can't control. And and it brings me back to a place where I have to be desperate. Um, when when uh, God asked Abraham to get thee out of thy country, right? Uh, there wasn't a lot of details given to him. <laughs> and so. And I, I guess for me, I have to be content that I may not have all the answers, and and maybe you are in that process that God is asking you to do something, and you may not have all the answers in front of you, uh, but my role is not to kind of question, you know, um, too much. <laughs> I need to just obey and submit to God, and so that's, that's, that's one thing um, that, that God is teaching me.
2: Praise the Lord, man. That's something I, you know, I think we can probably all relate to. And needing the Lord and um, some of those not even having the, all the answers is just what God wants us to be in this place of dependency and faith where we just have to trust him. And so uh, sometimes that's an uncomfortable place for us to be. Uh, but that's exactly where God wants us to be. In fact, he says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I'm sure he's pleased by that. Just your faith to step through doors that you don't have all the answers for. Praise the Lord. Uh, so tell us about something that's been a, a challenge or a difficulty for you.
0: Yeah, so I, I shared it with the, uh, the pastor's uh, roundtable, you know, and I think it's very relevant to even what I preached Genesis 22 just recently, and it's just amazing that Pastor uh, Bobby was talking about Genesis. And one of the, the, um, the uh, passages in Genesis 22 where, you know, Abraham was taking Isaac to Mount Moriah, kind of taken me aback is how uh, calm and peaceful that process is you know so he's asking hey Isaac was asking hey dad hey we're going up there's the fire there's the wood but where's the sacrifice you know (laughs) and so he understood that process but he's asking Abraham hey where's the sacrifice and he understood it was him Um, and, and, and it was a very calm united process I was telling the pastors that from time to time, I, man, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, <gasps> you know, like, oh my goodness, you know, what what's, what, what, am I doing, <laughs> you know? And so the idea of um, taking your family, you know, uh, and your kids, uprooting them uh, from, you know, a place of safety, if you will, you know, we have a great kid town ministry like you guys, and we won't have that, you know, and, and I just kind of uh, it kind of um, hurts, you know, when 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 your kid won't have that same uh, blessing, and, and so. Uh, but I come back to just responding with prayer, and I pray myself back to sleep. <laughs> you know, you know that man. This is this is His wordy, right? And that's the whole part of it. You know, is it okay? And sometimes, when it comes to your family, it's like. And if, if it's me, you know, okay, you know, I can but when it's your you know, family is whoa, you know, so I, I get to relate to Abraham a little in that sense. Again, we're not you know, Vietnam is not that dangerous, but just the the uncertainty sometimes does, does bring that 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 challenge and uh, so I, I mentioned it to the pastor and so I'm like, pray for me, you know, that God gives me the peace that surpasses all understanding, that sanctification, that walking in the spirit, you know, and uh, that, man, if it's the Lord's will, man, let's go uh, with peace, with power, with boldness. Uh, So, yeah.
2: So, uh, I don't want to embarrass any young lady in the room, but um, maybe close to 10 years ago, this church sent me out. Brother Bobby was here for that commissioning service. Me and the team out to start a church, and one of the things that my wife and I had to really wrestle with was for our daughter. Our daughter was uh, five years old, and just thinking, man, it, here's a children's ministry where teachers love them. She has friends, and we're gonna take her some We don't know if there'll be any kids, and uh, you know who, you know what's gonna happen to her spiritually. We just had to make kind of like our our deal with God. You know, don't let this hurt her, and we wanted for her to love the church, and um, so God, God did that work in her, and through. It was during that time that she was saved. It was during that time that she really grew a heart for the Lord. And um, I'm thankful for it. So I, I trust that God will prove his faithfulness in that. And so, uh, but that is uh, a certain concern. It's one thing you, if you're a parent in here, you know. It's one thing to say, I'll put myself in a place. You have, you have a child. You have a wife. You have, and Then it's like, well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is trusting God on a whole new level. So. Uh, so I know that that's one thing we prayed for you about as pastors. Is that Would you like to add anything as far as how we can pray for you? Would it just be that and uh, knowing uh, that God's going to take care of you, knowing the certainty of uh, things, or, or is there something else you'd like for us to pray about?
0: Yeah, so one other thing is, uh, so we have uh, two disciples in Vietnam already, and uh, so these are the one in thousands, and I'm trusting God that God will send uh, faithful men and women uh, for them uh, so that they can start that process of discipling people. We, uh, we have evangelized. We have seen people come to Christ. Uh, they start to count the cost, and they say, yes, 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 I'll do that. And then they start, you know, discipleship, and then, you know, uh, one-third in the way, and they, they realize what, what it really, really is, <laughs> and then they kind of checked out, you know. And so that, that kind of, you know, hurt us a bit, you know, especially those that, man, we thought, wow, the, the potential. You know, we we're so excited initially, like, yep. oh, man, and, and what, what happened? You know, so uh, pray that God will um, keep encouraging the disciples there. Uh, also, uh, we have a launch team uh, that is coming with us. And, uh, I, you know, if you can pray for the unity uh, of that team, you know, there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> Every You know, but you know how it is that when you're separating yourself from the church um, to, to be a smaller entity, uh, it's just different, uh, very different. Um, and so, uh, if you can pray that we would uh, trust God to be united, that our fellowship with one another will be sweet. Uh, we're meeting. Uh, we're starting meeting once a month, and then uh, twice a month, and then as we get closer to that day, uh, every week, you know, with the goal of this is the family, yeah. and and we got to be for one another, you know, because. In the big, big family, sometimes, you know, man, all the slacks are kind of caught everywhere, you know. But here, man, it's me and you. Yeah. <laughs> we better get along. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. so if we can pray for that, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. On that
2: first note, some of you can identify with that. You ever had a disciple that started out strong and then, you know, almost like the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life chokes that thing out or some persecution comes and it begins to wither? Um, and it's discouraging so we'll certainly pray for uh, i don't know if i can say his name for the for the two disciples uh, that are there and that god would help them as they begin making disciples that he would lead them to a faithful man and, and a faithful woman to be able uh, to grow up in the lord and uh, we'll also pray for their team okay so let's let's just go to the lord in prayer uh, whatever posture you want to get into if you want to uh, sit there and pray if you want to stand and pray if you want to Kneel and pray. If you want to raise your hands to the Lord, uh, we're just going to go before him and trust uh, in faith. We're going to pray believing that God's going to meet the needs that we're talking about. Uh, So let's pray together. Father, what a privilege to be able to pray, to be able to come and cast all of our cares upon you, to be able to to ask. You tell us that, that we ask and we'll receive. When we seek, we find. When we knock, the door is open. And so, God, we just ask you, we come petitioning in the name of Jesus, wanting your will to be done. We ask for all three of these needs. God, I pray for Andrew and for Rachel that you'll put a confidence and a surety in their hearts, that they would know without a doubt what your plan is. And and as difficulties arise, it would drive them closer to your word, that you would give them uh, clear uh, passages of Scripture that they would be able to hold on to, Uh, something that when they reach uh, a time of darkness, that they can put their faith in, it would stabilize them. God, I pray that you would help them, give them the confidence that comes from your word and your promises. God, I pray that you would uh, help uh, the disciples that are there. I pray that you would encourage their hearts. Ministry is difficult, and certainly as you see people uh, turn away or not live up to your expectations or hopes for them, God, I pray that you wouldn't let their hearts be discouraged, but even more so that that they would be driven to follow Christ and to be faithful themselves and to, and to look for a faithful uh, man, a faithful woman. God, we pray that you would bring them in contact with them. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he told them to look for a son of peace. As he sent out the 70, he said, look for a son of peace who, who will receive. And so, God, I pray that you would intersect their path with the right people who have connections, who would be willing to grow and learn and God, you know who those people are, so we ask you to just orchestrate their steps and to work through them. And God, we do pray for their team. What an awesome testimony that such a team would be willing to leave their home and to go into a foreign country and to be a part of this mission team. Thank you for moving in their hearts. And God, I pray that as they come, the reality of missions comes into play and and culture shock and, and and the struggles of church planting and disciple making. God, I pray that you'd even more bind their team together with the unity of your spirit. We're thankful that it's your spirit that creates unity. We just have to endeavor to keep it. So I pray that you would help them, that you would help them to sacrifice themselves, to die to themselves, to forgive one another, to love one another, to esteem one another higher than themselves. And in all things, give you the preeminence and you you get the glory. God, I thank you for uh, Andrew and Rachel, just for their time with us. God, thank you for bringing them across our path. What an encouragement. God, I pray that you would bless them in a special way. I pray that you provide all the resources that they're going to need financially. I pray that you would uh, provide the opportunities and the open doors to get into the country. And God, in, in all ways, we pray that this would be something that they could look at and know that you did this, and that you get all the glory from it. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so uh, Andrew and Rachel are going to be outside the, uh, the uh, auditorium here during our after party. I don't know what the snack is tonight. We have coffee and snacks. I don't think it's ice cream tonight. I think maybe tomorrow night is ice cream. That's, why I, that's my gauge in life. When is ice cream? Uh, so I think ice cream is really tomorrow night. I don't know what tonight is. It's tonight? All ice cream is tonight. <laughs> the day just keeps getting better and better. Uh, All right, I can't remember what I'm. Oh, wait, I have announcements. I'm sorry. I'm all discombobulated. All right, let's see. I know. Well, my doo doo today, I thought it was going to clear my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Evidently, it didn't. Okay, so I only got a a couple announcements for you. One is uh, tonight, if you want to. Help out. If you can help out with cleaning up uh, in the ministry center, uh, they could use some hands over there to get that ready uh, for us tomorrow. And the last thing I want to tell you, I want you to be prepared for this because tomorrow we'll start receiving our faith promise commitment cards. So when we talk about faith promise, we're talking about you having faith in God's promise that he will resupply. Uh, Abraham heard from the Lord. And then he just gave what God said to give. It was a lot. It was a huge sacrifice for him. But God actually resupplied. And we could look through scriptures to see this consistent example. But this is not like, I'm going to write a million dollars on there, and I'm going to play the lottery and trust God's going to help me win the lottery. No, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 tells us that missions giving is according to what a man hath, not according to what he hath not. And so when we give to missions, we ask the Lord, what do you want me to give? This is above our tithe, so we tithe. That's commanded for us to do. It's ordered for us to do. But then we give to missions, and we just seek the Lord. God, how, what do you want me to give? And you, you get to choose, you and the Lord. You work it out between you and the Lord, what, do you, what you should give. And so that faith promise commitment card, I want you to begin praying about it. God, what do you want me to give? You've got a mission to reach the world. We've got missionaries that are willing to go, God, what's my part in this? And you work it out with the Lord. And so when you bring those uh, commitment cards, we don't want your name on them or your phone number. We're not going to track you down and say, well, you said you were going to give this amount. Uh, But we do want to be prepared for how we can partner with missionaries. And so we're going to begin receiving those uh, formally uh, tomorrow night. So if you don't already have one, Lord willing, there's some out on the tables outside the uh, auditorium. Grab one of those, be praying. God, what do you want me to give? This is our worship to him. And uh, then come tomorrow, it'll be a special time uh, when we get together and lay those in in the offering for the world, we call it. We'll have a globe down here. You come up and put that in there.